Good morning, good evening, everybody, and welcome to our open discussion Bible study. I will be opening us up in prayer, and like tonight, we're going to just go over any questions you may have about anything regarding the scripture. So as we begin, you can um, join me in prayer. So God, we just thank you for this time. We're just grateful for the opportunity to be before you. And we're just grateful for another opportunity to just glean from your word, oh God. As we grow in you, God, we have received so much this year from everything that was poured out from stewardship to being sensitive to your voice and your spirit to how to take care of our temples, oh God. And Lord, you just have been faithful and kind as we've been growing in you. So where we just ask they continue to be in the midst as we learn from you on this evening. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, like I said, we're going to have our open discussion. So you can bring any Bible questions you want, any recaps or thoughts you want on some of the prior lessons that were instructed during the course of the Bible. So you're just anything that's been on your heart with. With scripture and we'll go from there. Oh, I could definitely answer this first one. That's a good, good, good question. So Levon says here, you know, what is the difference between Yeshua versus Jesus? Nowadays, everyone is calling on the name of Jesus. I've been listening to others express their reasons for saying Yeshua over Jesus. What is your take on that? Yep, people, yeah, it's very... I'm just going to get to it. That's very real. It is a very religious concept where people exert um, superiority over other people that claim to that believe in the son of God, you know, the God man, you know, Jesus that came down for the sins of the world. There's some people I feel like they have, they have more or they are more say they're more in tune with God than those just because of a different vowel. A lot of people think it's because that, you know, Jesus is a Western modernized version of the name that we're calling on it. But one thing I've learned in my experience that it doesn't matter what you call him, as long as the Holy Spirit knows that when you call him on his name, that you are talking about the, the son of God, the one that came down from heaven to earth to save you from your sins, to be the pro, to be the mediator to, to that you can lean on when you're going through trials and tribulations. He will answer. It's almost like even in the Bible days where many people like Paul also had to dismantle where other believers felt they were superior to those who were, like I would say, you know, circumcised versus those that weren't circumcised, that they, some people who felt superior because they were born a Jew versus uh, somebody who received the gospel as a Gentile, somebody who felt they were superior because, you know, they didn't eat meat. They followed all the feast days. They followed all the 500 rules that you find in the Old Testament. But the Bible says, you know, in Christ, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile. So, of course, 
God is saying, you know, we are all brothers and sisters, whether you choose to acknowledge the feast days or not, whether you are abstaining from me entirely or you do like your shrimp, you know, whether, you know, all these different things, whatever name that you use, as long as God himself and the Holy Spirit know that you need to call on the Son of God, he will answer. Because, yeah, I deal with these, I actually been dealing with these people a lot on my page over the years, you know, where I don't want to, we're just going to be, you're just going to put out there, you know, groups like, um, like the Hebrew Israelites and all that they got. Yeshua, they got this very long version of Yeshua. I don't know how to pronounce it because it's got all these H's on there, but they're kind of saying if you don't call him that name, he's not going to answer. If you don't call him by that name, he's not going to come through for you. But I know that's a huge lie. It's just, it becomes a religious pride thing because that faith is more about their blackness than it is about the grace of God. And yes, it's okay to be confident in your culture or in your, your you know, ethnicity, but that should not take precedence over your identity in Christ. Your physical vessel and the culture that your physical vessel was born in is actually secondary to your spirit being, to what God has made you in the spirit. So that's why it's a never-ending argument of people always finding a way to like to claim superiority over other groups even like with baptism where you know we still having the argument of if you were baptized in jesus name only or if you were baptized in the name of the father son and the holy ghost that you were baptized wrong and that's not that's completely inaccurate it's what you do with with that moment you know, and whether it was a full pool, whether it was at a church that didn't have a pool, or somebody took a cup of water and poured it over you, it's what it means symbolically for you and what you do with with your faith, you know, because we all know people that have been in the water both ways, and they come up, like you would say, they come up a wet demon, or they ain't changed, nothing changed about them, so... All these religious arguments that people use is a form of pride to try to claim superiority over others. And that that's not what God wants, because God came for all of us and he will reach us, you know, because, look, we've seen it. The clearly when we pray and even though we're using a more modern version of the name of Jesus nowadays, he answers to the name Jesus because we knows we are referring to him. It's kind of like how we may have nicknames, you know, or several names, you know, how we have different names, you know. If we are, you know, we, we, we school. If you're a school teacher, you're a minister, you're a business owner, you're a pastor. If you're if you're interchangeable, especially somebody like who has a fivefold office. If you're if you're called interchangeably, you're not offended if somebody may say one thing or the other as long as you know that's who they're referring to because i know people used to ask me all the time do you prefer josh or joshua i always said honestly i like both equally and either doesn't bother me but jesus is the same way as long as i know you calling on me i'm, I'm gonna answer whether you use the hebrew spelling or the modernized spelling 
that doesn't that doesn't estimate how fast I'm gonna come here. That doesn't make you less holy. Just because you like bacon and pork doesn't make you less holy because that's the first argument they go. But and then be the main three arguments I always see them bring up is yeah, the name spelling, you know, the pork and the shrimp, all of that. But it's like that's just religious pride. That's that same spirit that the Pharisees walked in. And we know how Jesus always went off on them, you know, because they loved having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So whether you not you acknowledge all the Old Testament feast days, whether or not you you like you like your meat, whether or not you use whatever spelling for the name that was used to identify the man, the son of God that came to die for our sins. He knows that you call on him. The spirit within you bears witness. That spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Father, bears witness. Say, I know who they talking about. So, yeah, you know, that's just one of those religious prideful arguments that they try to use for superiority. Wow, that was such a good first question. So let me see what else is down here. Right, exactly, Deke. Right, it don't matter what you call it, as long as you're calling on him with your whole heart, not just calling on him in a certain manner to look, you know, as holier or, you know, look like you got it all together, what they call like, you know, to look like pious or, you know, have your nose stuck up at everybody else saying, I'm doing this Jesus thing the right way. Yes, there is a right way to do this thing called Christianity, but but exerting superiority over one another, that is definitely not the right way. Oh, that was such a heavy first question. That's, this, oh my goodness. Any other questions or anybody else wants to comment or contribute to that question? Don't be shy to all speak at once. <laughs> Minister, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, sorry. I was trying to type it in, but then it was taking me too long. Um, <laughs> um, just wanted to find out from you, from your perspective. Uh, we've been in the class on uh, uh, talent, temperament, uh, tongue, things like that for what, five, six weeks. How has that changed your reality to, to that? For me, I want to say that, you know, it definitely has made me realize that this walk truly is 24-7. It's not just, you know, when you're inside of the church or inside of four walls of the church, but that everything you do, you know, God is taking, like, you know, God is, takes seriously or in a sense that, you know, God honors all that you do, especially when you're operating in excellence as a form of worship, because it is a form of worship, you know, how you handle your time, how you handle your treasure, 
how you handle people in all your conversations, whether you're talking to somebody in the kingdom or whether you're talking to a stranger in the street or the supermarket, it's all forms of worship because it's, it allows God to show that there is a more excellent way to live, to walk, to talk, especially in a culture, a culture that glorifies, you know, not, you know, being to yourself, but culture that glorifies, this is how I am. This is how I grew up. This is what my parents and grandparents taught me. I can't change. I can't evolve. I can't renew my thinking. I can't renew how I handle my situations. This is how my parents act. This is how I've been acting for 30, 40 years, and I'm going to continue to act like this for the rest of my life. But we realize that God challenges all these categories because of the fact that he wants us to, to become more like him and so that we can be the most effective because you have to realize all of these things, the time, the talent, the treasure, our tongue even is not our own. We are all borrowing this. This is all borrowed from the dust of the earth that God created. So when we realize that, it really helps us, like we said, you know, with the tongue being able to breathe before we react or respond to somebody, especially if their response is something that kind of raises the blood pressure a little bit or causes us to want to kind of, you know, jump out a little bit, but realizing, wait, 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 I am still on God's clock. I'm I'm clocked in. There's no such thing as clocking out. I am clocked in. So let me breathe because I don't want to ruin my witness, but I more so don't want to affect how they view Christ, how they view the kingdom based off my response. Because sadly, in this culture, people don't want to hear you had a moment as an excuse, you know, that because all it takes is that one moment that you thought even was private, that one moment where you lashed out or reacted in an ungodly way and you thought it was private. And next thing you know, the whole block, the whole state, the whole the whole church denomination don't hurt <laughs> the conversation. And then now you're like, man, I, I should have saw that this was a trap. If not from them, that it was definitely a trap from the enemy using them. And that's why we always got to be mindful and praying. Like Jesus said, you know, with his disciples to be watchful and pray or just make sure that you're on the top of that so that because like I'm because like I keep saying every week I've been getting tested the most in my tongue and my temperament because even though we already established that you know cussing definitely isn't the way but we also established that neither telling people all about themselves intellectually is not the way and that's been such a huge test because like I've lost track of how many trials have happened in that specific area just in the last two months, how many times I had to literally stop myself, had long text messages, and I just had to delete and said, okay, you know, or sometimes didn't even respond at all, you know, because, you know, especially they was out the door already. I'm like, Lord, they already out the door. So if I let them have it, it's not going to change that. You clearly 
are breaking up this situation. If I say what I got to say, don't, I don't want no risk, especially it is another man or woman of God, because one thing I learned is like, just because people are in the church doesn't always mean they'll have the best intentions. I don't want to end up doing something. And next thing I know, I hear what was said or done from a whole different party. And I'm like, how did that even get over there? Because one thing I'm learning is people truly are watching, even when you don't think, you know. So that's why I'm learning it's important. And that's secondary doing it because people are watching. You have to do it because you want to worship God in that moment. You want to show God, Lord, this is the fruit of the spirit that you're bearing in me. You're teaching me to be loving. You're teaching me patience. And I want to show you that you are pouring into a trustworthy vessel. I want to show you that I'm growing, that I'm gleaming that I'm learning so that I can be affected because thank God I don't got to go on the cross like you did. If you can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do on the whole entire cross, I should be able to do the same thing when somebody talks a little fresh or a little snappy at me. I should be able to handle that because of the ultimate price that you paid that in forgiveness, you know, being able to breathe, yes, understand how painful that that argument, that conversation, somebody talking left that you was, but being able to breathe, process it. One thing I'm learning too, if you have to, I don't, you know, if you have to, give it to God unfiltered so that it can be righteously filtered by the time you go back to the individual. Give the raw how you feel to God in private so that you don't end up bleeding or lashing out or operating in this ungodly spirit towards that person, or if not towards that person where it sadly ends up getting built up. And then you end up taking it out on somebody else who had nothing to do with the situation or something they do triggers you and reminds you of what somebody else did. So that's the key. That's how I survived. Telling God raw how I felt. Lord, this is how I feel about the person right now. Lord, I don't want to say this, but you know, I don't, but I'm saying this because. I don't want to feel this way, acknowledging that I feel some way about somebody, but also telling God, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel bitter. I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to feel insecure. I don't want to let them have it. I want you to take this. I want you to take my, I want you to take my desire to always be right. I want you to take away my desire to always have to you know, say, I know my mom said all the time, you know, you always got to have the last word, you know. I don't want to have the last word anymore. I want you to have the last word. I want you, however that conversation is supposed to go, to have the final say. I don't want to mess it up because if it's supposed to be gone, if the connection or covenant is supposed to be expired, then I have no business building it, rebuilding it. However, if, it, if it's supposed to stay connected, I have no business tearing it up. So let me go before you and ask you how to handle this and strategize these emotions so that I'm not walking out of your will. So, 
yeah, that's has been rough, but I'm seeing I am getting better at, you know, not telling people about themselves. It's, it's, not, it's hard, but <laughs> we're getting Any other questions, comments, feedback? Even what was your, even another question you could throw in tonight. What was your favorite, what was your favorite like topic or lesson like as you, from, from this year? That's another good question you could throw in. Whether you listened to it or even taught it, like what was your favorite? <laughs> I think throughout the year, there was so many different ones. Um, but even just going back to um, over the past six weeks, because that's more prevalent in my head right now, looking at all of those, your time, talent, temperament, tongue, um, I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head, but you can't effectively do one and forget about another one. You can't say, I'm going to work on my time and that doesn't affect my talent or I'm going to work on my temperament, or I'm not going to work on my temperament and don't think that is going to affect your time and ultimately affect your talent, ultimately affect, affect your tongue. So there, that, uh, 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 thank you, Pastor, because that was a great uh, whole entire uh, uh, study guide that you've given us because it was eye-opening. Um, so time, talent, tissue, Time, talent, that's not tissue, tissue of uh, time, talent, temperament, tongue, and I don't know what the other one is, but um, it, it, it's tissue. It's tissue. Tissue slash temple. Yes, tissue. It was te- temple slash tissue. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it still goes back to, for me, uh, just that glaring aspect of it to say you're doing one and you have to focus on everyone as a whole versus just focusing on focusing on that one and saying that one is going to be the one I'm focusing on. Um, it doesn't work or it doesn't help. Um, so for me, just with that class alone, that was a, 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 a amazing eye opener for me with just certain things that um, I thought, okay, I thought I was great in this area, but then it's like, okay, yeah, you're really not because this does affect that. Um, or you're you're better than you thought in this area, but you could be better with this here, uh, raising the bar on this um, as a whole. So that's that's what I would have to say about that whole uh, just that whole class. I agree because I love how when you think about all of these, it literally kind of reflects the human body because. You know, growing up, especially if you when you look at like, you know, the biology diagrams and everything, when they have the separate biology diagrams in school and all, and in the science books, like when they had like that actual model, you notice how, of course, they have they have a diagram for each category of the body, you know, one diagram for your, I, I believe the wording, I'm going to say blood system will slash uh I think it's called, yeah, the cardiovascular system. You have one diagram that just shows, you know, the blood flow from the from your head to your toe. You have another system that shows your nervous system. You have another you have another diagram 
that shows your organs. You have another diagram that shows your muscles. You know, you have another diagram that shows your skeleton. And those are all different parts of and categories of the human body. But you need, but of course, every single thing is all intertwined together. Obviously, your nervous system's intertwined because it's not just deep in your tissue. Your nervous system's all the way on your skin. You feel every little thing. You know, your brain works all in. Your brain needs the blood to flow. You know, your brain needs the nervous system so that you can feel. Your brain is needed so that you can think. Your tongue needs your brain so that you can talk, but also so you can think about what you're saying, of course, your everything is reliant on your heart because your heart pumps the blood that keeps everything flowing, you know? So that's why I love, like you just said, I love that it's the same way where one system of the body can't function without the other. If one system is not functioning properly, it can mess up the whole thing. Like, I've always been fascinated. Like, you know, if you've heard somebody who, like, they said, like, if they lost a toe, like, if they lost a toe, like, even if they lost a pinky toe, that even though it's such a small part of the body, that that thing affects their whole entire balance. Like, you would have thought, oh, okay, if I got the whole foot cut off, like, you know, or a, or part of the leg, but just even a little toe can affect the whole balance. And I think that's what we remember here because, yeah, because I know I think for a perfect example, I think that I mentioned in the review that last week I mentioned saying, you know, when it came to the temple and how that affects temperament, time, everything, I said, you know, knowing what your temple needs, especially like your regular body needs, like, let's say, okay, let's say, you know, maybe you may have something like an iron, iron deficiency, or, you know, you may be a little bit more, you know, you might have some physical issues or ailments, but if you know there are ways around that, or if you know that there's, I even mess it, but like vitamins for that, use it because you need to be a good steward over your time. Don't just use, oh, you know. I'm, you know, oh, I'm extremely exhausted as a reason, you know, when if there are other resources, like basic resources is, you know, vitamins and B12, you know, it's like, look, I got to get this stuff done. I got to be a good steward, especially if God start waking you up as an intercessor in the middle of the night and you know he ain't going to be moment so you just get out of the bed you know but do whatever you got to do to be a good steward over that time you know because you need all the time I'm I'm learning just this year alone I've said how fast my schedule went from nothing to years to having so much on my plate now is I'm realizing how just little time there actually is each day and the importance of maximizing every minute and not wasting time, you know, making sure that you have strategies and plans in place to use that time properly. One, so that you can make sure that you're not wasting time so that you can rest properly. 
and also so that you're not staying up later than you need to still working on something that could have been handled days or weeks ago, which now is affecting your rest, which now is making it a bit harder to wake up, you know, on a, in a timely manner to do what you need to do for your, for your family and for the kingdom. But yeah, I'm learning how all of them affect one another, because of course, if you're not on top of your business, if you're not on top of, you know, you know, trying to be a good steward, that of course affects your talent and treasure because you want to be able to have time and space to use your other gifts. But if you're so behind on your work and the other things that you need to do, that that hinders your time for perfecting your gift and making sure that you are still making your gift or whatever hidden talents or things you have, make sure it's still a priority by pouring into yourself, by investing that treasure and that time into somebody or other places or resources that can strengthen the gift, you know, whether that is for a bit, whether that's a spiritual gift, whether that is for business, you know, whether that is, you know, having mentors around you, but just making sure that there's a balance because like I said, just like that little toe, that toe get cut off, if that toe doesn't get the proper blood flow to it and it gets cut off, that little thing can really affect your whole balance. It's like I said, the tongue is one of the smallest members and that can mess you up. You got to be careful with that too. (laughs) Anybody else? Yeah, I just wanted to pop in real quick. Good evening, everybody. Um, When we were talking about the time, I just listened to what you said, and I wrote down procrastination is absolutely detrimental to our health. Not only does it, is it us taking advantage and disrespecting the time that God allows us, but it becomes detrimental to our health because when you said you're up, and no, no, with your time where you said um how you just realized how your schedule went from not doing anything to now you're so busy. If you don't have the rest, if you don't have the time or the time set aside to get the rest that you need for your body to be fully replenished, or if you need to prepare, let's say if you have to preach someplace, but you procrastinated. So now the night before the assignment, you're up, you're not getting to sleep, you're not able to eat, and then you're basically stressing out about it you're operating on little to no sleep and then you're not even giving god your best you're not giving the assignment your best you're not what you were trusted and given the responsibility of doing you're not able to do it to the best of your abilities because you procrastinated so you have the actual mental stress of oh my god now i have to hurry up and throw something together not saying that that's what we do intentionally but it's not our best because now we don't even have the time because we're up all night doing a whole bunch of other things delaying delaying looking at the calendar oh well i don't have to do this until i got time and then before you know it is the night of or the day before and it's just like oh now i'm gonna have a headache i'm gonna be exhausted the next morning and it's not gonna be my best and then you know also, when we procrastinate, we have that type of anxiety and that type of pressure, our immune system gets down. We start to get sick. With the lethargy comes, you know, a weakened immune system. You're not eating what you, you're taking things, supplements, or if people drink coffee or soda, you, you're drinking extra cups of coffee, drinking extra soda, trying to keep yourself up because all night, 
I got to get this sermon together. Or I got to get this lesson together or whatever. So procrastination, you know, that disrespect for time is detrimental to our health in many ways that we, I just, I just really thought, I just thought about that. I'm going to go now. <laughs> I, I see the pastor's look. So I'm going to just. She's not talking, just, so you can keep going. She says she's not. No, she's not. No, she's had not to, talking, I just, but she's no, speaking. She's verbalizing. I just, I just had to sit up because of my back. No, ma'am. I just had to sit okay. up because of my back. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. But yeah, so, you know, we have to be mindful of when we are given assignments by God, whether we like them or not, we have to be mindful that we, like Sunday when you preach, we have to still be obedient. You don't have to like it. He didn't ask us to like it. He didn't ask us to figure it out. He just told us to trust him. He didn't ask us to trust him. He told us just trust me. This is what you're going to do. And you have to trust me. And we have to get to the point where we trust God and we're grateful and appreciative and respectful of the time that he created, that he blessed us to be participants and, you know, and, and bearers and be able to enjoy this time that he blessed us with, because it's not even ours to drag. It's not even ours to procrastinate is we, we can't create time. So how dare we disrespect time that we can't even, you know, you said something, you said borrow. We, we're not, we're not, I don't even think we're borrowing time. We, we can't, borrowing to me is something that you're using from someone that you can pay them back. We could never replace what God gives us, especially when it comes to time. So we're, we're just basically almost leeches. <laughs> like that's trying to be funny, but it's like, I, I can never repay God or replace the time that God is allowing me to live in for just a mere moment because time we know is nothing to God. He created it. So the the audacity of me to procrastinate and drag it and disrespect the time that he blessed me with. And then not only that, because I disrespected the time I dragged it and procrastinated, I'm not giving him my best in other areas. The temple is now being neglected and the assignments, the ministry, the people that are assigned to us is now being neglected because we're operating at 75% because we didn't get the rest. We weren't able to get the food. We're taking all of these supplements to boost us. So procrastination is really detrimental to our health. That time touches a lot of stuff that we don't think about the way we really should. So let me get back to work. I hear y'all though. <laughs> Minister Ayesha, you made a good point when you said that um, it doesn't touch other people when we procrastinate and stuff like that. It actually negatively negative, negatively affects Effect. other people. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's a huge thing that we don't look at is, um, is how if we're not prepared, if we didn't study, if we didn't prepare this pro- properly um now wow. someone's not getting what, what they, they were supposed getting. to get yeah so that was the biggest That's point it, the to me yep. uh, one of the biggest things that you said to me that really popped out and spoke to me because that's a huge thing um and and, and even in just in my everyday world i would say okay operating excellence and it's hard like you said it's hard to do it every single day yeah but the more you do it the easier that becomes the more you focus on your talents and temperament and tongue um, mm-hmm. and, and tempo and things like that, the easier it becomes versus now you're not playing catch up with it because you're only doing right. it because you need to do it, not because this is what the proper way of doing it. And we, we everybody has that issue. We just have to figure that out where up. we have the issue and how to, how to figure that out. That catch up and it's, it, it's the catch up and the catch up is so, 
it still touches on what Minister Josh preached on Sunday when I when I came behind you and I was like, you know, it's that delayed obedience, but it's still disobedience because if God assigns something or someone to us in this moment and we delay it in our minds, our arrogant minds, our absolutely arrogant minds, we're like, well, I could do it. I still did it. But God said, do it now. And you delayed, you didn't prepare the person that that message that God gave you to prepare for. Guess what? They were in a car accident yesterday. So they didn't make it when you decided to catch up and and pick up the assignment. I told you to do it yesterday, but you coming and saying, well, either way, I'm doing it today. It's the same thing. No, because that's not God knew the time. He orchestrated it so you had the time to prepare when he gave you the message and you dragged it out. So your procrastination wasn't only now detrimental to you, but that person didn't get what they were supposed to get. So your delayed obedience now cost someone else their life. You know, we got to think about it. That serious delayed obedience is still at the end of the day, disobedience. So when we drag out delayed obedience, we we procrastinate. We don't move when God tells us to move. We don't move how we don't do it, you know, where, whatever. That's still disobedience. And it all it's a ripple effect and it affects so many people. And it's arrogant of us to say, well, I'll do it. I still did it. You did it. But who it was supposed to reach 45 minutes ago, you know, that traffic accident that you heard about on the highway. That was her car. You know, like you got to think about it like that. And then I think when we start to see it in that aspect, we may become a little more aware, conscious of how our delayed obedience and our dragging stuff out and playing catch up. Like Deacon Jermaine said, playing catch up in itself is tiring because now I still got to do all my regular work. Now I got to play catch up because I failed to do what I was supposed to do to prepare effectively and efficiently. How long ago did I get this assignment? It's, it's, we got to get it together. <laughs> you do yes because I even last week I don't know if you heard it last week but I, I remember I talked about when we got back to temperament and the ripple effect of temperament and I think I used examples like I used Saul, David Moses you know Moses's temperament you know Moses's temperament you know, was a whole bad ripple effect. You in my last few weeks. Time. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, he was listening. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm talking about my personal study because oh, 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 we're in the same page. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because last week I said um the temp, you know, Moses's temperament messed it up. The people's temperament messed it up their time. They wasn't a good steward over their time. Aaron wasn't a good steward over their time while Moses was away seeking God. And that's what I said. I guess I don't want to, you know, like, I guess, like, even just this past week was a good example for us. I say, you know, we was being able, you know, through prayer call, through Bible study, through worship, being able to handle the camp while the set man or woman of God is a way either to get time alone with God or either just to breathe so that they're not being burnt out. But Aaron was a poor example of that because y'all should have came and y'all should have still been seeking God or whatever, but I'm supposed to be having this holy, divinely orchestrated alone time with God or this, you know, sabbatical or whatever to just breathe or seek him or whatever and i'll come down here to a whole golden calf and 
Now y'all messed up my temperament, even though you said that control, but now y'all messed up my temperament. Now I threw the now I threw this sacred gift I just received out of my anger. And now <laughs> and now I gotta do this all over again. I gotta go back up to that long hike. I gotta get a whole new fresh set of tablets. Now because the behaviors have been so embedded and corrupt. Now what a trip that should have took. I believe they said 11 days, if I'm not mistaken, a trip that should have not even taken a whole month. That hasn't now, instead of it only taking maybe a few more weeks, a few more months, a few more years, now that thing was a whole 40 years because the time was corrupted. You know, the time was corrupted. The temperaments were corrupted. Like you said, their attitudes, you know, just their impatience. You know, just their need to not be, their inability to change their mindsets of, I need something tangible to worship, whether it's an image or a person, their inability to really understand that God was with them, even when they couldn't always see him, it messed things up for a whole generation of people. And like we said, I'm grateful because, yes, even though, thank God for the story of Joshua, you know, once Moses died, you know, Joshua raised up. And while it's good, I love Joshua's story because, yes, it shows God's grace of even if your forefathers messed up or wasn't obedient, you can still have the promise. But, look, Joshua couldn't get that time back. I mean, he was already 80 by the time. It was his turn when truthfully he should have been in the promised land when he was younger. You know, God gave him extra strength, but he still suffered consequences due to the people, due to Aaron, due to Moses's anger, you know. And then, of course, when I think about David, you know, David messed up big time because Yes, it was a polygamous culture. David already had a few wives, but because he was so greedy, he just couldn't leave Bathsheba alone. And first of all, that that turned into adultery because y'all both married people. And now you, because you couldn't control yourself, now you don't pull Bathsheba over. And now you got enough to cover it up. Not through a lie, but through complete murder. Because while even though, like I said, it was interesting that David, you know, David did kill a lot of people that were enemies of Israel, that were enemies of the kingdom. But now you commit in friendly fire, killing somebody who was on your side, killing somebody that you consider well setting up, setting up the killing. You know, set it by putting him on the front line with the intention of him hopefully getting killed immediately. Now you got friendly fire on your hands and now you're no better than, now you're no better than Cain who, you know, killed his brother, you know, you know, now you act like, am I my brother's keeper because I want everything that my brother has. And too many times, I think I said last week, and I'm going to say it again, too many times in the body of Christ, we suffer from friendly fire fire because somebody's not content they already have oh they already have more than us but it gets to the point that they don't even want us to have a little bit they want us to have nothing 
you know, you already got this, you already got that, but the minute you do something, no matter how small it is, they don't want you to have it. So then they end up sabotaging, they end up, you know, committing that friendly fire because like we saw it circles back to the whole thing we talk about the names of God, you know, where people always want to have superiority over you. But that friendly fire is dangerous because now you, if people like, if there's all this friendly fire, all this gossip, slander, backbite, and fight and going on in the church, I don't want to be a part of that. And as I said, I'm grateful to God that he didn't cancel David. He didn't say David was going to hell, but David still had to pay heavy price. God wanted David to build the temple. But because of that moment, God was like, you, the temple was meant for brothers to come and dwell in unity, but you killed a brother and you killed him for a, for a selfish reason. And I can't have your hands build the temple. I'll give you the blueprint, but I'm going to give it to your son. And yes, we see Solomon did build the temple. But once again, because of David's issues going unchecked and his inability to, you know, fully correct his wrongs, because you got to remember the punishment was the first punishment was not being able to build a temple. The second punishment was that David and Bathsheba's first child, very first child, did not survive. It died. It died shortly after it was born. But then we all know Solomon is David and Bathsheba's second child. So because he was born out of that situation, sadly, when the times came, his wisdom that he received from God, it wasn't enough or he didn't allow it to be enough to to break that generational curse. So now you're going from a handful of wives to literally thousands, hundreds and thousands of people and where Solomon sadly eventually lost self-control as well. But, and then you see because, because they couldn't get their acts together, because the king couldn't get their acts together. Well, actually it was way before the kings, the judges after Joshua, not all of them, quite a few of them couldn't get their act together. The people couldn't get their act together. Then they begged for a king. Then the first king going to get his act together. The second king going to act together. I know God was kind of intentional with that, honestly, by allowing that monarchy to be in the kingdom of Israel for a second because he wanted to show people you want in a king and they can't do it. They can't do it. Only I can do it. You already had me, you know. And then, of course, because they still couldn't get it together, that's why they ended up going into exile because the kings kept fighting with corrupt, you know, being corrupt and everything. And that's why those decisions were so detrimental. But yeah, it just shows why. And honestly, wow, this is a good segue. When we're not good stewards, this is proof that like Deacon Jermaine did say, and like you, Ms. Aisha just said, we too are guilty of friendly fire when we're not being good stewards over the time, over the talent, over the treasure, because I said something that people needed, but we wasn't in our place. You know, they needed a word, but we didn't study, so they didn't get the word that was supposed to be time sensitive. We were supposed to offer a service or a gift 
that they needed. We were supposed to be in prayer for an individual. It's horrifying. I'm just going to be transparent. It's horrifying, especially in my generation, well, all generations. It's horrifying just how many people sometimes in my in my life, even if I don't know them too well, but know them by proximity or we might be part of a group of people or a group of friends, how many people get burdened with wanting to just end everything. And if I wasn't in prayer, there have been times where I was praying for an individual, I didn't even know why. Then a few days later, they come into me, I guess because I'm the preacher in the group, they come into me talking about they honestly want to end it. And I'm like, wow, Lord, if I wasn't praying for this individual, it's horrifying to think that that could have been the difference between life and death. And I'm not saying that should be the case all the time, but I'm saying, you know, just how important it is to always be in the posture of prayer. And when it comes to time, even if you're not that person, because I really want to become a person, you know, where I am able to be disciplined and wake up at 5 a.m., Every morning, because I want to be able to have prayer time before the prayer line or things like that. But honestly, the key is making sure you're etching out time with God throughout the day. If you know good and well, you didn't wake up, you were supposed to, to pray like, you know what, Lord, I didn't get a chance to do it like I normally do. However, I'm going to make sure that during my lunch break or some point during the day, I am going to do Make sure I'm making time for you to get my prayer in, to get my worship in, to get that time with you in because there are instructions that you have for me today. And the best part is when you are in a constant moment, a constant season of praying and seeking the Lord, we're in constant communication through prayer, through worship, through reading the word with all the resources we have. If you can't read the word, we got resources now where you can listen to the word, you know, so that that way you're always open. And because that line of communication is open and it's strong, it gets to a point that since you're consistent and you don't just wait for service, you don't just wait for seasons of fasting to see God. Now you're, you have that stronger connection so yeah that's why this is so yeah i love how that all segue you know um not becoming a victim not become victim not becoming somebody who has committed friendly fire in the kingdom because you wasn't in your rightful place um minister josh can i say this and i i know you say it without any ill intention but i think that's a part of the problem we sugarcoat our errors even saying that it's friendly fire it's like no we're wrong and we need to get ourselves together we we what happens is we make we make light of when we're not doing the right thing for all of us to like oh it's just friendly fire yeah i was just being lazy i took too long to do this oh y'all already know me i'm running late no do better you know what i'm saying so when we minimize it to something that's like friendly fire or that's just how they are. Oh, well, you know, it's not that serious. We have to start looking at things like it is that serious. Like we have to, as men and women of God, we have to start looking at it as when we don't do what we're supposed to do, someone's life is literally at stake. Imagine if God told you to pray for a stranger in ShopRite, one of your peers, 
you know, and it's like they, it's a group of guys, you know, in, in the cool, I don't even know if they use that term. I'm showing my age. If they like the cool kids or whatever, and you're like, oh God, no, they're probably going to laugh at me or whatever. But God told you to walk to one specific guy in the group. He's like the loudest, most obnoxious, whatever, and offer him Christ in that moment. Give him, you know, listen, let me offer you salvation right now. You don't do it because of whatever. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'll pray for him when I go home or whatever the case may be. You walk outside, two seconds later, you're getting in your Uber, you hear gunshots. There's a big shootout out there. He was the first one to die. In that moment, he did not know, like, we can, we have to stop. We like, not Juju, me, all of us, we have to literally start looking at things as what they are. It is death and life. Like, it is that serious. It's no, look, we're, we're, we're too, we're not babes in Christ where we can still look at stuff like, oh, it's friendly fire. I'm not, you know, attacking you like that. But it's like, when I hear it now, it's starting to upset me because I know I do that. I'm guilty of saying stuff like that and minimizing my wrongs and my shortcomings and my, my slips as if it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But it is a huge deal because there's so much, like I said Sunday, after you preach, I said, the weight of our disobedience is heavy. And you don't know who is attached to the, to the assignments. We don't know why God tells us to do what he tells us to do. He just told us to do it. We don't understand whose life is going to impact, who it's set out for. Just do what God told you to do because you don't understand the weight of the disobedience or not taking it as serious, even the procrastination, because it could be that split second, like mm-hmm. that young man could have been offered Christ and accepted him, but because we don't feel like it or eh, I wasn't comfortable, whatever our excuse is, because we all make these excuses. Then you go out there and it's like, he wasn't saved. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we got to start looking at it. Like when we don't do what we're supposed to do, someone is literally probably going to die. I know it's dramatic. But if we start looking at it like that, we'll take things a lot more serious and then maybe come down to a a happy medium of a norm. But I think the kingdom overall, the body of Christ, we have become so slack with our assignments because we just friendly fire. And it's just okay. You know, we're used to doing things like this. We're used to just, uh, I'll fix it later. I'll get to it. What if that was his last moment? That was it. That was the chance for him to receive Jesus Christ because God knew that was his last few minutes here on earth and he knew he wasn't saved and he wanted him, you know, he wanted him to do right. And at that moment you happen to be the person or I happen to be the person or Deacon Jermaine, whoever it is, whatever the circumstance is, we have to look at it as the people that God assigns to us, their lives are at stake when we fail to do what we're supposed to do. I have to tell a story. Um, Because basically, uh, based upon what you just spoke about, Minnis Aisha, um, we were on a cruise this week, um, as all of you guys know. But it was one day we were sitting uh, outside. uh, Pastor was actually downstairs in a room sleep. I was outside talking to a couple people. And I don't know what it was, but the guy... um, had a, a super long in-depth conversation so it was really really late when I got back to the room and pastor was like um it's middle of the night what's going on why and so I told I said listen I said 
you'll never believe this. And it'll sound funny. I said, but I was literally ministering to this guy. And out of nowhere, it was a three and a half hour conversation, a three and a half hour session of us just sitting there talking. And the stuff that he talked to me and said, this is what's on my heart. This is stuff. This is the stuff that I have on my heart that no one was able to help me with. And what I told past, I said, yeah, I get it. I understand um, uh, uh, the reason for being mad. I said, I get that. I said, I'm not, because it was, it was middle of the night, honestly. So I said, but at that moment, I couldn't leave this guy and not hear what was on his heart. Um, and the stuff that he told me was stuff that unless you've been through it, you wouldn't understand what it was, or you wouldn't under you you can you can sympathize with him, but you wouldn't be able to show show true empathy because you don't understand what he was what he meant by what he was saying. Um, and at that moment, by the time we left there, literally, there was a five minute embrace between me and him. And his wife was like, when we talk, we went back down the next day and talked to them. His wife said. I seen you guys over there and I seen you guys talking and she said, he's never talked to anyone about that situation or about what he's dealing with because he didn't feel he, he, he didn't feel he had someone he can talk to. Um, and then it went into things of, Oh, we, 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 he has this issue, but then he covers it with drinking or he covers it with this and he tries to make use that as his coping mechanism mechanism. Um, but then the very next day, Pastor was down with me then for another three hours, ministering to him and his wife. And at that moment, she ex she expressed different things about the church or, or, or not even church, but just her religious journey. But at the end of that time, she said, she asked, could you guys pray for me? Could, could we all sit here and pray together? Could we do this? Could we do that? And we literally prayed in the middle of the floor where everyone was able to see us and stuff like that. No, no one made any fun about it. No, no one uh, 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 looked at us weird or anything like that. But to me, that was, because by the time we left our cruise, the husband and wife were saying, you know what? We're going to go ahead and go back to start going back to church as a couple. We're going to start going back to to this we're going to start going back to that we're going to do this we're going to make sure we're doing this and, and, and help working for working with each other and for me that was so so pivotal because it was just like at that moment at the beginning moment god used me to minister to someone who i never didn't even know this guy's name before that day right didn't know his name but then Every time after that, we were always seeing, we would be walking somewhere, we would say, hey, brother here. And that, that's what it became of like, every time you see me, that's my brother. That's my brother. Uh, and it was just, it, it, and that goes back to what Minister Aisha was saying about taking that opportunity to, to minister to people or taking that opportunity when, it's, when, it's, when, when you're told to do it. Because if I wouldn't have initially done that with them, with, with him at least, if I would have initially not have done that, how would he, how would his life have been afterwards? About when he gets back home to, they live in Atlanta, how would his life be when they get back to Atlanta and stuff like that? And then he'd say, okay, you know what? Uh, 
Deacon Jermaine didn't minister to me. We talked about everything else, but he didn't minister to me. He didn't open my eyes to certain things or he didn't, he didn't help bring me closer to God. And then on the back end, uh, pastor helped talk to his wife. And, and it was, like I said, it was, it was a, a really, really good experience, um, honestly, for, for, for me and for pastor, because it was something that you don't think you're going to be on vacation and, and actually minister to someone that in, that in depth. So it's a big, huge thing. So I, I really get what you're, what you were saying right there, uh, Minister Aisha. I, I'm sorry because I'm working too, so I'm trying to jump in. Like that just got me excited because you just think about what you said, right? They're a couple. I don't know how old they are. I'm sure they have. To, they're probably let's say they're like our age, right? Yeah, they were. In, they were both in their fifties, early early fifties. So, so they're a little older, which means that they probably have adult children, right? And they probably have a few grandchildren. Now them mm-hmm. as a couple, just look at what you did. Just look at look at what happened here. You were obedient in that moment. It may have been uncomfortable for you, but you spoke to who? You spoke to the identity of the family structure, the head. You spoke, you went straight to the man. The enemy was upset. And what you did was you planted those seeds like God told you to. And because you were obedient, he went back and he reclaimed his throne that he had kind of probably advocated, advocated, you know, at some point, went back to his wife. They had their conversation. They rekindled whatever their spiritual connection needed to be. They made the decision as a unit to come back to God. Now, what is going to happen is the two of them get back into the house of God. They get back into fellowship rightly with Christ. Their children are going to see that. Their grandchildren are going to see that. That is going to be a whole trickle down effect. So you just broke up some generational curses that the enemy Mm -hmm. thought he had a stronghold on for years. And you just gave them a word that opened up his eyes and said, whoa. And if that man, as the wife, the husband to that wife, the father to those children, the grandfather to those grandkids, when they see their father in right alignment with their mother and they're right there, everybody is going to get back into proper alignment. So imagine if you didn't do that. Imagine, look at how many people's lives will be transformed because of your obedience. That trajectory is like, and I have a crazy story similar to that. And and it's impactful because when the girls were younger, my house was the house. Kids, people were always spending night at my house, but I had a rule. If you stepped at our house, you know, if you was at the Phillips house on Saturday night, you had, they had a Muslim friend. Even she had to get up and come to church. I wasn't stopping on the way. That car was starting. It was going straight to church. So if you spend a night on Saturday, have your church clothes ready. So this young girl throughout the year, she would always be at our house. I mean, every day, Miss Phillips, oh my God, I love, she started calling me mother like the girls. And every Sunday she was ready before my girls to go to church. And you know, my girls, you know, they, they wasn't really happy about it. You know, they were like, oh God, she would take notes, yada, yada, yada. So fast forward to the twins high school graduation. Every time I think about this story, I tear up because I, I get so sick of all of the kids in my house. I really did. But I didn't realize the impact that I had on them. Her parents had divorced and she was living with her dad here. Her mother was in Florida with the new husband and the other children. So this lady runs up to me after the graduation. She was like, oh my God, I cannot get back on the plane without giving you a hug and thanking you for the way you changed our lives. I've never even seen a picture of this woman and the girl was not with her. So I didn't know who she was. And I'm like, back up lady, like it's pre-COVID, but I still didn't know who she was, like, you know, personal space. She's hugging me and crying. 
I'm like, she was like, the way you changed my daughter's life. She was like, thank you. And she was bawling, crying, right? So I'm looking at her husband. I don't know him either. And I'm like, okay. I said, who is your daughter? And she said her name. And she was like, let me explain this to you. She said, my parents are pastors and I had so much church hurt my whole life. And she's a little older than me. And she said, when I married my husband, his parents were pastors and he was so hurt and brutalized, you know, the generational stuff. He said the two of them, when they got married, they vowed that their children were never going to go to church. She said, I vowed that my children would never even know Jesus Christ. She said, you don't understand. So when my daughter was staying at your house, I always wanted her there because she, she had this fire in her and she would call her every Sunday when she would go home. Oh my God, Miss Phillips told me this. And then the pastor said this. And she said, so it sparked something in her and her husband. And they started going to church. This is throughout the high school four years, right? She said, so I wanted to let you know that since my daughter has been at your house throughout this high school time, her daughter was in my house so much, she even broke her leg in my house. Like, the, the kids was always at my house. So she said, since she got into church and she started introducing me to get into church, her and her husband rejoined church and they're active in ministry. They're both preaching. The sons are on fire for God in children's ministry. I, when I tell you the praise I had, just by living and doing what God told me to do. I didn't want them kids in my house all the time, but I knew that my house was a safe space for them. I know that they were being poured into, even when they got on my nerves, I knew that it was impacting their lives. To this day, they're still um, associate pastors at a church in Florida, just because I said, you know what? All right, you can spend the night. You get on my nerves, but you can stay. Look at how that obedience works and the, the trickle down from the teenage daughter that lives in Jersey with her father the, fa- the new, the stepfather, her mother, and all of the younger siblings are now on fire for God. We gotta, we gotta look at it because now you're talking about generations now being brought back to the kingdom. That's powerful. Let me get back to work. My God. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Perfect. The perfect way, nothing else to say, because that's the perfect, that this is why, this is the essence, those two examples are the essence of stewardship, of why we are always, you know, making sure that we're in a posture of worship, not just with our words, not just with our prayers, but with our actions, with our love, with just being able to be available sacrificing the time because that's amazing going on vacation and god had a ministry moment while you were away that has changed the trajectory of someone's life which will probably change the trajectory of their entire family for the rest of eternity for their children and grandchildren and all the other descendants that are going to come from that bloodline just because of that conversation that you had to hear Minister Aisha's example of how someone was just so eager and open to receive God because she was open to receive them. This is this is just phenomenal. And this is why it's so important to be good stewards over everything, over your time, over your talent over, you know, your temper and your tongue, just being able to always be a listening ear, a gentle voice, you know, a, a loving voice that speaks on behalf of the father to whatever 
for that person needs in that moment because ministry truly is 24 7 and these are perfect beautiful examples that is not just in the church it's at work it's when you're hosting people at your house it's while you're even away on vacation you know and it just proves on why when we truly are in god and it's not just the one night one week stand you know when we only talk to god on sunday during our two, three hours in worship and we make it a lifestyle, it really shapes how we do everything else. So it's such a beautiful way to end the lesson. I see we are over. We're all not over too much. There's an 811, which I think is a good time. And this was a very, very strong, productive, you know, recap conversation on all the questions. This was really, really good. You know, so I'm just so grateful for everybody that was able to come tonight. Um, if there if there is nothing else, I believe there's something else that I can pray out and then you'll be on our way. Of course, as you know, we do have prayer call tomorrow at 6.20 or well, 6.30. The lines open up at 6.20. You know, of course, we have worship on Sunday. You know, looking forward to what God is going to do on worship at 8 a.m. And of course, if anybody else still has any other questions, please email them to, you know, to um, any of our emails at the church, you know, out any of the leadership's emails that we can discuss either one-on-one with you or we'll be able to bring up at another time. But we just so grateful for everybody that came on on tonight. And I will close this in prayer and you'll be free for the rest of the night. So God, we just thank you for this time. We just thank you for your your you being in the midst of this conversation. We're grateful that when we call on you, you know us by name. That whatever name we call you, because you allowed us to label you when you said I am that I am, that whatever you need us to be, you have been that. And for that, God, we thank you. We thank you, oh God that you answer our heart's cry, oh God. You know, the different lifestyles, the different traditions, the different backgrounds, but because we have all made up a mind to seek your face, that you answer us and for that we are grateful. God, we're grateful that you're perfecting us with how we handle our time, our talent, our treasure, our temples, oh God, we're just so grateful that we are not where we were even a few days ago. I think God, we definitely are not where we were even a year ago, oh God. And for this, we give you glory for how we are growing together as a as this, as this a body in Christ. We're just so grateful for how we have grown together through every lesson. We're grateful. We honor, we honor the woman, sir, that you've given us, oh God, and every single lesson that she has poured out on us during the course of this year, oh God, we just ask that you continue to bless her beyond her wildest dreams and pour back all the virtue that has been poured out every single week in and out through Bible study, through prayer call, through Sunday worship, oh God, we are grateful and we're grateful for the fruit that is yet being birth in us the fruit of walking with you the fruit of listening to your voice the fruit of being better stewards over our health the fruit of handling you know being great stewards the fruit of 
all the things that he desired to for us to walk in in this season of truly becoming aligned, aligned with your will, aligned with your purpose. So for this, God, we are grateful as we look forward to going deeper and everything you are going to pour into us in the seasons to come. So we give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just wanted to uh, thank Minister Josh for facilitating Bible study to the UR. Watching this live, if you are catching this via replay or if you are watching via the website, I truly thank each and every one of you for your continued support in attending our Bible studies and attending our morning worship services. Um, And just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you uh, for being with us. And we are excited and looking forward to the new things that God is going to do um, in 2022. He's already given us a glimpse of the amazing things that he has in store for us. And so I I want everybody to stay excited for that, for those changes, for the growth. We are growing together in 2022. We are going to surrender and serve. Amen. That is our 2022 vision, a season of serving and surrendering. Amen. Um, So I just want to say thank you to everyone. This will be our last class for 2021 as we move into the holiday season. We will be back in effect for Bible study the first Tuesday. Let me just, before I say the wrong thing. Yep, the first Tuesday of 2022, January 4th, we will be in session um, going through a a new series, but we will follow those that are um, connected to us. We will send that email blast out before class starts. Um, If you are on our website and you are not a part of our Bible study group, you can email us at biblestudy.ahm at gmail.com. Um, and we can add you to our distribution list. Uh, stay connected with us. We have so many great things coming in store. A really great announcement uh, this Sunday. We have a really great announcement coming up, I think, this Sunday. Or is it next Sunday? Sister LaVon, I could be wrong. It, it might be next Sunday. But either way, we'll look for some exciting news. It's next Sunday. We have a very exciting news coming next Sunday as we prepare prepare for... Uh, mega things in our mega mini church <laughs> mini mega church um, amen so I just wanted to say, say those mega mega am I saying it wrong minister Aisha you muted Wait, I don't know what you're saying we mega 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 mega, mega. We mega, mega. <laughs> God is so doing mean. amazing things in our mega mega church um, and I thank God that he's given us a mega mentality with the spirit of excellence um, as we transition into something. So thank you again, everyone, for joining us. I have been thoroughly enjoying my sabbatical and I'm going to continue to enjoy my sabbatical. But do know when we hit the ground in January, we are hitting the ground running, each and every one of us. So we love you guys. Thank you. And we'll see you on January 4th.